thinking about when I first got saved. I got saved and I had this radical conversion and uh, but I and I was a different person, but I still had a lot of bad thinking and bad stuff in me. And God and I wasn't a very good husband, honestly, because of all the you know, that statement of hurt people hurt people. You know, that's a true statement because I had all these hurts in my life from growing up. But God, you know, He healed me. That's sort of that sozo in therapy. Over time, He healed me and delivered me and transformed me inwardly, which made me a different person, made me a different husband. And I see a lot of people that have breakdowns in marriages and relationships, and we always tell people it's not a marriage problem. It's a, it's a personal problem. It's an individual problem. You need God to do something for you and your heart to fix you, and then you can learn some good marital things, learn how to live with another person, good relationship things. And, and that's why the gospel is so awesome, because the gospel changes people's lives. It really does. And the gospel heals people and makes them in. And that's a major miracle to, for a person to be transformed and changed. And so don't ever forget the power of the gospel. Don't ever forget that that's what God wants to do in your life. And if you need healing in your heart and you need that, God wants to do that for you. That's what, and, and when we allow God to begin to work in our life and let, allow the power of the gospel to become a reality in our lives, it will do something. God does what he says he's going to do. God is not a liar. And I'm sure, I'm, you know, when we're saying that t- song is, you never let me down. A lot of people feel like God's let you down. But let me say this. He has not let the real you down. He may have let another version of you that you were trying to be down because that's not the real you. But the real you, the real person that he created you to be, he would never let down. Never. So if you feel let down by God, it's not the real you being let down by God. It's, it's a false version of you. It's that other person that you became to survive in this world or live in this world but God wants to deliver you from that person because that's not you. He wants you to be the real you. And when you begin to learn how to be the real you, God won't let you down. But if you're living the false you, he has no interest in helping you be that false person. Do you understand that? He has no interest in helping you be that. He has a very big interest in getting rid of that person, getting rid of the mask, getting rid of all the outward you know, things that people do to try to be something. Okay, but it's, it's all a facade, it's all a lie. God deals in truth. And so that's the person he won't let down, is the real you. And when you begin to allow that real you to come forth, something's going to happen. So this morning, if you say, Lord, you have let me down, here's what God says. No, I haven't. I've let the false version you. I've let the dreams, the wrong dreams, the dreams of the person that you wanted to be, or, or trying to be. I've let that go because I'm more interested in the real you. And I have better dreams for you. I have a better life for you than what you think. And that's the truth. Amen? Your life can be better than it is. Your life can be better than it is. Everyone of, everybody in this room, we're in a process of being transformed in the, into the image of Christ. Where Christ becomes our very essence of our life. And that's how we become the real us, is when we allow that work, Him to work in us. And I'm just thankful today, when I woke up this morning, I was thinking about, and in fact, I even told Becky I was sorry. I probably told her a million times I'm sorry for, for all the badness that I brought into our marriage. All the anger, all the frustration that I didn't even know what I was frustrated about or angry about. That's just the way I was, but I didn't really know. And I still don't to some degree, but I got, God has done something in me. And it's the gospel that did it. It's the gospel of God. It's the good news. So let's give the gospel a chance in us. Let's give the power of God. And that's why Paul warns the church about a powerless gospel. He warns us about that. Because that's the thing that's going to do everything for you and change you from the inside out. And make your life into something new. And so we need to be warned about a powerless gospel. We need to be warned by that. And let the power of God go to work. But 
Let it go to work in you. That's where it needs to start. We need to let it, allow it its place inside of us. And as we allow it to take, take force and take hold within us, we can see it manifested more without us. Amen? Anyways, let me read 1 Peter 5.10. I love this verse. I'm going to tell you something. It says, May the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Eternal glory. Isn't that beautiful? God of all grace. After you have suffered a while. After. Everybody say after. In other words, Peter was letting everybody know uh, in his own beautiful way, you're going to go through some tough times. You're going to have some bad days, months, weeks, hopefully not years, but it could be. But he said, he said, so you're gonna, we're going to have this difficulty in life. We're going to have these trials. We're going to have this broken hardness in life. Things are not always going to be the way we would like for them to be. But he says, after, which gives, should give everybody in this room hope. There's an end to, end to your difficulties, an end to things in your life. If you're suffering today, if you're going through something today, you know, here's a promise from the Bible. After, there's a time for it to come to, to the end. There's a day, there's a season where you come. It's going through the valley of the shadow of death where you walk out the other side. So no matter what you're going through today, there's an after. There's an afterlife on this earth for you. And so I love that. And he said, after you've suffered a while, God, the God of all grace will do four things. Number one, he will perfect. Number two, he will, or perfect, whichever way you want to pronounce it. But I think it's perfect, it's he will establish, he will strengthen, and he will settle you. Isn't that awesome? He'll do those four things for you. And so back last fall, I was out, uh, you know, with the Lord, and, and the Lord said, he gave me this verse and said, this is what I'm doing now at River Life. First Peter 5.10, I'm, I'm doing this. And so I went and looked at this thing, uh, perfect. I'm going to tell you what each one of them mean. Uh, perfect means to mend, restore, to repair, and to put in order. Isn't that beautiful? I think it's pretty good. After you go through something, God wants to heal you. That's what he's saying. I want to heal you. I want to fix you. I want to restore you. That's, that's what Peter said God would do. And then the next thing he's going to do, he's going to establish you. That means he's going to stabilize you. You're going to start getting your bearings again. You're going to start getting dreams again. You're going to start getting a sense of stability in your life again. Where, where when you're suffering, you lose all that. When you're going through a, a bad time, the last thing you're thinking about is your dreams and your vision, your hopes. You're just trying to get through the miserable moment. You're just trying to get through and hope that there's a, a light on the other end. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You, your dreams and stuff, as much as you love them, you, you just want to be able to get through. Can I just get through and have a better life? Just get through this. Am I always going to be in this difficult time? And, and so we kind of lose our bearing spiritually, and, and, we, and we're just hoping to get through. Uh, at least me. I, I don't know about y'all, but that's the way I am. When I'm in a mess, I'm just, I got to get through this. It's one step in front of the other. Uh, forget five year plan. Forget next month. I just got to get through today. You know? And, and, but there's a time that comes where God will, will re, you know, reset you, re anoint you, re give you, a, a, revision you, and reestablish your life again. And God is doing that now. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing for people. And then it says he will strengthen you. And that means to make your soul strong and give you confident faith. Give you confident faith. I'm telling you this. Boy, when you start losing your confidence, because that's what happens lots of times when you go through hard times. You, your confidence gets just shook to the... I think I've said this a million times. But I'll say it one million one. When we were in our roughest times, that was the thing I felt like the enemy was trying to get from me was my confidence. Because that's why the Bible says don't throw your confidence away. Don't let the devil have your confidence. Because he wants if you, if he gets your confidence, you've lost. Because your faith does not work without confidence. There's nothing to do. I mean, you can't do it. You're timid. You're humiliated. You're beat down. You've lost, you know. And God wants to reestablish and cause a confidence to rise in people again. And, and the thing that God has revealed to people in the past is you thought you lost. God is going to bring that back to light, but it's going to even be better. 
It's going to be better. God has a better life. He always has a better life. And then the last thing he does is he settles you. He, in other words, he strengthens your foundations. You're settled. You're strong. You're working from a, a good base in your life. Isn't that amazing that God would do such a thing for people? And that's what I'm here to say to you. This is the season we're in. We're in the season. I don't, if you say, well, that ain't my season. Well, let's get you out of that season. Let's get you into the season of God. The thing that God is doing now is this time of being perfected, established, strengthened, and settled. Because God is declaring something over people. He's saying this. Listen, this is what I'm doing today. I'm done with the suffering. I'm done with that in your life. It's time for you to come into something new. Now, I believe that with all my heart. It's time to come out of the valley. It's time to come out of moaning. It's time to come out of, out of, out of sadness and sorrow and unbelief. It's time to rise up in your heart and let God do what God will do. I believe that with all my heart. I wouldn't be saying this if I didn't believe it because this is what God's been doing in my life and other people around me. It's a day of promotion. God is going to promote people. God is going to promote people. He's interested. In, and God is going to bring a, a new acceleration into people's life. The, this is what he told me. He said, the time that you lost in the valley, I'm going to catch it up for you. The time where you fall like you lost and everything you got behind, don't worry about it. I'll get you called up very easy because he'll send a strong wind. He'll send a strong current that'll shoot you down the river, shoot you down the horizon where you'll get down there real fast and you'll be standing around waiting on your buddies. It'll be like Elijah. You know, when Elijah called for for rain, he took off running and outran, outran horses. God accelerated in that moment. He got to where he was going a lot faster than he could normally. It was supernatural. He wasn't just a world-class athlete. Mercy, Lord, right? Anyways, let me read the 1 Peter 4, 7 through 10. It says this, but the end of all things is at hand. How many people believe that? Well, that's what the Bible says, so it's got to be true. Um, hand must be a long hand, Right? <laughs> That's what I like. What kind of hand are you talking about here? But it is a hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Isn't that beautiful? Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Good stewards. Amen. Well, this is what the Lord told me. He said, stewardship is important. Being a good steward is really important this year. And so immediately my first thought was, oh, i got to be better with money. Right? I mean, because usually when we think about stewardship, we think about money, right? Like, oh, I better be better with money. I better, I better help Becky do the budget more and not throw money away so much. And, well, I think that's a good thing. But I think there's, there's more to it. I think he gave us some keys in here. Okay? The first one was this. So I, this is what I some things I feel the Lord saying uh, is to be serious and watchful in your prayers. That word serious, you know what that word, you'll be surprised that word. Y'all remember me talking about a few weeks ago after we played hooky, you know, before we played hooky. That's how I felt last Sunday. <laughs> like, man, I, I don't ever miss church. I miss one Sunday a year. Because if I'm not here, I'm usually somewhere else in another church. But So I felt like, man, I'm doing something bad here, not being in church. And, you know, I should be in church. And, you know, it was sort of nice not being in church last time, but I missed it too. Anyways, that's a distraction. Remember when I talked to you out of Titus 2, 11, 12, where it talked about being sober-minded, having your mind and emotions in control? And where it says God has not given, in Timothy, where it says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and what a sound mind. Well, that's the same word there for serious. In other words, he's saying there's a time for us to have some soundness in the way we pray. It's time for us to have some soundness in the way we pray. Be sound in your prayers, is what he's saying. Be sound in your prayers and watchful in your prayers. In other words, we need to be paying attention to what God's doing in the earth and paying attention to what the, the, the inklings of the Holy Spirit. That's what watchful to me means. It doesn't mean watching, 
watching the news and watching the world. I don't want to watch the world. I, I, I can tell you right now, they need a lot of prayer. They are in trouble. You hear what I'm saying? I don't want to watch what the devil's doing. I want to watch what God's doing and pray into that. And I think that's really what God's called us to do right now, is to watch what he's doing and pray into that. And God is at work in the earth. He's in the work, at work in the United States, in all the world, really. He's at work. And I think we need to start watching what he's doing and quit being so dogged, timid about what we're praying and what we're declaring. And begin to agree with God and be- because I feel like the Lord's saying this to several people in this room this morning. If you'll agree with Him, He will agree with you. And then things will begin to happen in your prayers with you when you begin to agree with God in what you're declaring and you're stating and you're saying. So I think that's really important. That's the first thing we need to do is, is we need to steward our thoughts, we need to steward our emotions, and we need to steward our prayers. In other words, God is interested in those this year. For us, what we're praying and what we're declaring is important. Okay? So if you want to see a revival in your family, you need to start quit complaining about how bad your family is and start declaring a move of God in your family. And In fact, this is, I wanted to say this. Is this morning I was praying and I saw houses on fire. And what I believe the Lord was saying, families, mothers and fathers, children and grandchildren, gathering together, not just the normal family thing, but for a move of God, for the fire of God to begin to fall in homes. Are you talking about home groups? Well, this is, I'm thinking God wants to bring revival in houses. And when that revival gets loosed in houses, it's going to get loosed in the churches. Because those families are going to come in the church and bring the fire in the church. And I believe that we have to really have a vision for that and a dream for that. And when I saw that, I began to pray for my family. God, listen, I want to see a move in my family. I want to see my kids get on fire for you. That's what I want to see. I want to see my grandchildren just thing transformed and out preaching the gospel at a young age. That's what I believe God wants to do. Okay, now I see that's what I see, God, and that's something I'm going to be praying into for my own family. And I have a, I have a hunch God's going to do it. I have a hunch there's going to day that's going to come when we're least suspecting, when my family just happens to be together in one of our houses, that the fire of God's going to come down in that house, and we're going to not, we're going to have our church service with just our family. But I'm not just talking about my four no more kind of foolishness. It's for, it's for the world. It's where we can invite the neighbors over and hang out because God's going to show up in houses. I believe that. That's what I'm shooting for. I don't know about you. You know what? We need to shoot for that. Our families need God to touch them. They need God to fire them up and get some passion in their hearts. They need it. And to be any other way, to think any other way is religion. And it's not going to transform this world. If we're out praying for the government, God, to do something up there, and we're sitting around in our houses all lukewarm, something's wrong. Y'all okay? Yeah. It is amazing. Oh, come on up here, Becky. I just feel like we need to stand up right now and decree and declare that fire in our families. Wow, I just really feel the Holy Spirit on it. So we just say right now, I want you to go after your own families and start decreeing. I just got testimony. Yes, I'm telling you what, my husband's been going to a, a church thing that they do at work. He works for Joe Gibbs Race, and he's not come to church here with me in years and years and years. But he is starting to ask me about the gospel. He's been sitting with me in the mornings reading the Word. He's been telling me, you need to have a Bible study, and we're going to have the neighbors come over here. So it's happening. So you lay hold of this, what Becky's getting ready to read, because God is doing it. Go for it. Uh, Buck told me this morning, uh, just 
accidentally, but it really wasn't accident. He goes, when we get ready for church this morning, because we had to go do something, he goes, when we, before we go to church, and I told Byron when I got here, I said, I declare this year he's going to be here. He's going to be in this building, and he's going to be before, his heart's already tender. He's just scared. So I just want to blot that. Anybody that you have in your phone that's afraid, I just want to curse that fear today in Jesus' name. We're to have a fear of the Lord and not fear of man or what men think. And I just declare today that families are coming in, that doors to our homes are going to be open up, that our fear of spreading the gospel to our neighbors is going to be gone. That we'll start having a burning, a burning in our heart to have people come and to have them know the word and to share the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that the Lord is going to make it easy for us. He's going to make it easy for us to be hospitable. And he's going to open a way just in conversation. He's just going to do that in conversation. And we're just going to be uh, uh, real tender to that. I just declare that in Jesus' name. We're not going to have to fight for it. It's just going to happen easily if we'll make our heart sensitive and our ears attentive to what God's asking us to do. Amen. So let's pull on our own families right now. Lord, we decree and declare that fire in our homes, Lord, in our families, that unity of the Spirit, the bond of the Spirit operating in our family members, Lord God, that you would make us more than just natural families. You'd make us spiritual families, Lord God. And we decree and declare the fire of God, the fire of the Holy Spirit fallen in families, Lord God, fallen in whole families, whole families doing ministry together, Lord God, whole families doing evangelism together. Whole families warring in the heavenlies over our nation, Lord God. Whole families worshiping together. Whole families going out and preaching the gospel together. In Jesus' name, we declare and decree that, Lord God. You said in Abraham, all the families of the earth would be blessed. And we declare that, decree it over our families, Lord. And then it would come in soon. It would come in sooner than later. Lord, we're just saying, let it be a now word among us, Lord, and let healing begin in our families, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, they're kind of fiery, aren't they? If, if you were, uh, you know... Yeah, amen. That's good. One thing Jesus said, he said, my house would be a house of prayer for all nations. And I saw this little thing recently where somebody interjected a little thing, the house of answered prayer. Isn't that right? Because who needs a house of just praying and nothing God ain't answering? That's about the dumbest prayer in the world. You're like, yeah, I'm going to pray something and God ain't going to answer it. I thought, well, you know what? That's the kind of house of prayer I think I'm joining. One that's answered prayer. Because I believe God has prayers that he wants answered. And he's just asking us this morning to get serious and get real with him and start getting into agreement with how he's praying. Even if you feel like it's going against what you believe and what you want, go with what he wants and he'll bless you more than you can stand. If you will do that, I believe that's the truth. That's what I believe. Uh, I wanted to tell you this. In 2007, uh, the Lord gave me this thing. He gave me 12 things. Okay, He gave me 12 things. I don't really know what you call them. I'm going to use a really nice non-religious word, keys. Okay, not laws, not principles. I like keys better, but you can... He said here, he, well, I developed them over a period of time, that 12 keys for staying in a move of God, flowing with what God is doing. Okay, and I got, I got them all out of 1 Kings 18. It's when Elijah brought fire down from heaven. And that whole thing that happened there. And the first thing, the first key was prayer. Okay? Because the Bible tells us in James that Elijah prayed. Listen to this. Elijah prayed and it did not rain for three and a half years. Now, that's a prayer. And, the, and James tells us, well, Elijah's just like you. He's no different from you. We're, we're like that. In other words, James was saying, you have this authority in you, like Elijah had, to be able to pray and shut the heavens. And then it says he prayed again, and it rained. Okay? And plus, in the middle of that, he called fire down through his prayers. So I felt like the Lord was saying then, is really, any move of God is going to, we need to bring the move of God into the earth with our prayers. 
We need to, here's what I see on this shutting the rain off. That, that rain is the rain of terror. That rain is the rain of lies. That rain is the rain of hell. That we need to bring a drought on the earth of that stuff. And we need to bring another prayer and bring the reign of God into this place. So hit, that move of God began with prayer and it ended with prayer. He ended it, began and ended it. Okay, here's the next thing though in that. Elijah got in a lot of trouble at the end of that. Okay? He got in a lot of trouble at the end of it. You know, that's when Jezebel ran. He got all scared and got all messed up. I mean, after he just absolutely did miracles Something happened to him. He got messed up in his thoughts and his, his thinking. And here's the reason. is Elijah was a lone ranger. Elijah was by himself. Elijah was not a part of a group of people. And, and see, what happens in our lives, and that's why Peter, let me just say that. This is what he said. This is stewardship of relationships. Now, I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, you cannot make it in this time we're in without really real relationships with other people. Because that, that's what he said right here. He said, he said, above all things, have fervent what? Love for what? One another. Uh, be hospital to what? One another. Uh, as you've received a gift, minister it to what? One another. And so if you are living a life and you're living your life in your cave, you're making a mistake. Because see, Elijah got in a mess because in his mind he didn't have people around him that could speak into his life. That could talk him through that moment. Do you see what I'm saying to you? Sometimes the best of the best need other people to give them perspective. Sometimes you just go and you hit the wall with things. And you stop thinking right. You, start, you stop hearing things and you, all of a sudden this fear starts attaching. You need other people around you who can tell you, hey, that's not who you are. Hey, don't remember who you are. Remember what God has said to you and start talking you through these things. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? So I think really that was one of the things the Lord told me back then was you need to be part of a team of people. You need to be part of a community, a real community of people. And, and those people have access to your life. They have access to speak into your life and vice versa. Otherwise, you're going to get in trouble and you'll go off the rail. That's why the book of Hebrews says don't forsake the assembling of, uh, with other believers. Because we need each other. And we're in a time where we need each other really bad. And I think we really need each other for God to be able to move and do what God wants to do. God wants to use everybody. God wants to use everybody, every, every person. So he told us three things. One, he, Peter did, he said, he said to love one another, okay? To love one another, to really show love to people and, and show people that, that God cares for them and love on people, okay? And he also said be hospitable. Think about hospital. Hospital, hospital. It's, there's two, two things I see about hospi- hospitality. One is healing, is for when, you're hosp- when you show hospitality to people, you bring healing to them. The other thing is grace. It's you make other people feel welcomed. That, that you make people feel like they belong. That's what the Holy Spirit's constantly working to do. It's trying to help us. Abba, Father, you belong. You're a part. You, you see what I'm saying to you? Do y'all see what I'm saying to you? And so that's really what Paul or, or Peter was saying is, is do that. You know, love people, uh, be hospitable to them, and whatever gift God's given you, use that gift to help people. Don't use your gift to try to promote what you're doing or promote yourself. Do it to help people because God's not interested in promoting anything but helping other people. That's why Christ came. And so when we're out trying to promote things, our ministry or, our, or whatever you want to call it, God's interested in helping the people. That has to be the end goal of it. Now that sounds pretty profound, right? God wants to help people. But that's really what he wants us to do. So we really have to steward our gifting. We have to steward the love of God that's given us to us. And we have to steward this gift of, of the spirit of adoption that's been put in us. And make sure that we're ministering in that and releasing that to people. And making people feel comfortable. It'll look different with everybody, but I'm not worried about that. You can work that out between you and God. But that's stewardship. That's stewardship. And that's, God's really interested in that right now. 
Y'all okay? <laughs> so let me read this. It's Luke 6, 37 and 38. I know I can get you stir up about relationships on this. Okay? This is what Jesus said. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Uh, I was having a conversation. I'm going to tell you all this. Judging's easy to do. You, ju- you and I judge more than we realize we do. Uh, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day, and he was telling me that he lost his relationship with a good friend of his who was... This good friend of his is a multimillionaire, okay? And this multimillionaire loaned my friend a few thousand dollars, okay? And my friend has not been able to pay him back yet. And the multimillionaire won't speak to him no more, even though he's tried to, like, you know, I'm going to do that whenever, you know, my life gets fixed. And I immediately said, well, they shouldn't be doing that, and when I said that, I remembered an incident in my life. There was this guy that came to the church, and uh, he was living in a, like a mobile home thing up there. Not a mobile home, but a, like a trailer, a travel tra- camper. Yeah, camper. And so I went up and seen him and, you know, tried to minister to him a little bit, and he asked me to loan him $40, okay? So I loaned him 40 bucks, and he left town <laughs> with my 40 bucks. And I remember driving down the road. I can tell you exactly where I was wrong. I, I got that no good rascal. He took my $40. Lord, I was so mad at how sorry this guy was. And the Lord spoke to me and said, if you give somebody $40 or whatever, if you loan anybody anything, you might as well just give it to them and not expect to get it back because it's going to mess you up if you don't. And so I was able to release that that day and not judge that guy. But there I was, all these years later, sitting there listening to my friend, judging. You see what I'm saying? I think right now, our judgments are destroying us. That's what I think. And I'm thankful the Lord called me out. In fact, I said that to my friend. I'm like, who who am I to sit here and say that? I just confessed it on the spot because I realized I'm in trouble or I'm going to get in trouble. But listen to this. He says all that, and that has to do with relationships. Don't judge, don't condemn, and pardon, right? That's relational. This is Jesus talking about how he handled relationships. Because I want to say something to you. The enemy's trying to break relationships with people. He's trying to bring division all the time. But when the Lord begins to do something, the enemy starts really messing in the arena of relationships. I see God doing something in the arena of relationships. Okay? I've seen God do some stuff in the the arena of marriage relationships and other friendships and stuff. But I've also seen the enemy working to divide people. Okay? And so, listen to this. Jesus talks about relationships. Then he says, give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap. Do you ever think about who they are? Have you ever wondered about who the heck is they? Who's, who the heck they going to pour into my lap? A good measure. You usually think they is like God's going to do, like God's going to rain down MasterCard or gift, Master gift cards to you or cash from, and it's not going to happen. They happens to be those people. You ever wondering why the church, you know, I think the church is always condemning the world. You know, and the world has most of the finances in their control. You ever, you ever thought about why that money's not really, the, the great transfer of wealth that people have preached for years? You ever wonder why and that have, hasn't happened? It's right here. It's because the, the church has condemned the world. That's what, it, that's what it says. It's, they will pour into your lap. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, run over. For, your, for by your standard of measure will be measured to you in return. In other words, this is what Jesus was saying about relationships. I know there's people who are generous people, but they suffer financially still. And the question is why? And here's the reason. It's relational issues. That's what Jesus is saying right there. 
He's saying if you have broken relationships, God can't. It's hard for God to keep blessing you. You are not going to get this blessing. Y'all just sitting here looking at me like y'all don't believe this. But I'll tell you something. I have found this to be a consistent truth in people's lives. Generous people and that just seem to continually struggle in the area of finances. Why? You begin to probe into their life, and they have broken relationships. They have issues, unresolved issues with people. They have a string of things behind them, and that's hindering because in God's eyes, relationships are more important than money. So really one of the best ways we can be good, good financial stewards is become good relational stewards. That's Byron Wicker's, you know, what do you know, financial seminars? Well, I just gave you my financial seminar. <laughs> now, I do believe there's all this other stuff, right? But I do believe that's a hindrance for people. And God is really calling us into stewardship. One, he's calling us into stewardships of our prayer, prayers. That's important. Two, he's calling us into stewardships of relationships. Okay. And three, he's calling us into financial stewardships by, and specifically in, through the arena of relationships. I think it's really great. I mean, I, that's just how I feel about it. Um, let me give you one more thing. Are y'all okay? And this is one thing you need to do is don't go through life having a bunch of hurt relationships behind you. Some you can't do anything about, right? There's some things you can't fix, but if you can fix your heart about those things, right? You can fix your heart about those things. You may not be able to fix the relationship, but if you can get your heart fixed about the relationship, then, then you've done all you can do, and there's nothing else you can do, and, you can, and God will really help you. I wanted to read this. No, this. I could quit now if you want me to. I want to read this one thing and tell you this. Um, it's Luke 3, 4. I don't think they have it back there. Uh, it says, It's written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophets, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough ways smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Now, I think that scripture is really important right now. Um, that's what God is trying to do in people's lives. Now, I'm, I'm applying this in a particular way. Valleys in people's lives is, is the places where you're going through difficulties, Okay? It's your low places, okay? And God wants to lift those valleys and, and smooth those valleys out. See, that's what, how God prepares for, for himself is he comes and begins to release in people, in people's hearts, to bring the low places up. Also, he wants to bring the high places down, okay? High places, you know, it could be pride, right? Anything, anything that exalts us before the Lord. But um, it also can be this. How is God, the high places in your life, I'm talking about in a positive sense of how God moves in your life and, how, and the blessings that you have in your life right now. can hinder God from being able to do what he wants to do in your life. Okay. The, arena, the areas of your life where, where you're being blessed, the areas of your life where God's moving would be like the high places, right? That's in the, Mount, in the New Testament. That's what it always talks about, the mountains that Jesus went up and something, something wonderful happened. Okay, it's the wonderful places of wonderful happenings in your life can be a hindrance to what God wants to do in your life now. 
Does that make sense? I know it probably doesn't really make sense. But this is what the Lord told me. Okay? He said, I want to move. That's what he said to me. I want to move. But the way you the way you perceive the move of the Lord in your life can hinder him from moving in your life. As well as you're staying stuck in a broken place and won't come out can hinder God moving in your life. Especially when he's inviting you out of that broken place. I, I just want to really say, I want to be really try to be as nice as I can about my, to myself and about everybody else, but there's a, you can just so fall in love with a certain style of worship, can't you? That so ministers to you. Isn't that right? Or whatever it is, put whatever you want in there. A certain style of prayer, right? I mean, just whatever... Whatever tickles your heart, whatever causes you to come alive, put it in there. That's, that's your high places. And that's what the Lord was telling me. Don't let that get in the way of me moving. Don't let the way you do your Christian life and the way you express your Christianity get in the way of me moving. If it has to be that way, then that's all you're going to get. And when you go out in the Christian world and you see there's certain moves that are out there, and those moves become more important than the Lord Himself. The missions becomes more important than God Himself. Are y'all catching what I'm saying? The evangelism becomes more important than God Himself. The, to, to dig in the wells becomes more important than God Himself. See something, you see what I'm saying? And you see, I, every one of us would fall into that trap unknowingly. Every one of us. And the Lord is, could move in a way that would completely blow all our minds because it would be totally unexpected. And we would not even think that He would move in such a way. And all He's asking us to do is step back from those things. And not let those things become the joy of our life. But let Him be the joy of our life. That's what the Lord told me this, this past week. He visited me and told me that. That was a, such a really profoundly simple thing that He said to me. You'd think if God's going to visit you, He'd tell you something really powerfully profound that nobody knew about. It's like, everybody knows this. No, you don't. I don't know it, obviously. I'm in, I'm in danger if He's telling me this. Do y'all get this? I hope you are. I'm praying that you will. Oh, mercy, Lord. I think I'm going to stop. Uh, let me give you a couple more scriptures on that. Earnestly pursue love, but desire spiritual, the, the spiritual. Pursue love, desire the spiritual. Or earnestly desire spiritual. That, it doesn't say spiritual gift, by the way. It says spiritual, if you look it up in the real... So anything spiritual of the Lord, we're to earnestly desire it. But what we're really supposed to be pursuing in our life is a love relationship with the Lord. Because God, here's what's going to happen to you. And I've watched people do this. When God moves, people fall in love with the move of God. Okay? Right? How many people have ever fallen in love with the move of God? I mean, I absolutely love the move of God. And I have fallen head over in heels in love with it. But guess what? If God comes... And, and what you wind up doing, you wind up making, you start striving with things, you start doing things wrong, or you're one of those kind of people when God stops moving, you kind of fall back. Do you see what I'm saying? You kind of fall back because it's not the way it was. See, that's an indictment against Christianity, that God would move in people's lives, and we would just enjoy it and be awesome and pleasurable to us, but when He quit moving that way, we would sort of get cold in our hearts because God's not doing that no more. Now, what kind of Christianity is that? Do you see what I'm saying to you? 
And I, I, I'm saying that to myself because I've been guilty of that. And see, what God wants to do, He doesn't want us to fall in love with just what He's doing. He wants us to fall in love with Him. And no matter what He's doing or not what He's not doing, we're going to be awesome with God. And we're not going to be backsliders or lukewarm people because we enjoyed this great move of God. And then God's not moving that way no more. And we're sort of backsliding and getting into all kinds of bad thoughts and bad stuff. How many people in this room are guilty of that? Raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Stand up if you're guilty of that. Because I tell you what, God doesn't like that. God is looking for a bride that would be daggone loving Him. And that's really what this visitation was about. It was about loving Him. And no matter what He does, and when He moves or He don't move, what He was saying is, don't fall in love with the method. And don't fall in love with the manifestations. And don't fall in love with the way it looks. Fall in love with me. And no matter what happens, and don't demand a particular style from God or that He expresses Himself in a particular way. It's fidelity that God's looking for. It's fidelity. And this could, anybody could take this and make this into the most ridiculous religious thing in the world. But it's not religion if we really are hearing the Lord speak to us. And I really want to encourage you this morning about the Lord. You know, is the Lord wants, He wants to move. He wants you to enjoy it because it says, in His presence is fullness of joy, but at His right hand are pleasures. Right? That's what it says. And He could leave the pleasures here and take His presence away. And I promise you this, those pleasures will get real sour real fast on us. And so what we had to say is, Lord, we want your presence more than your pleasures. But we know, we know your pleasures come with your presence. But we're always going to choose your presence above the pleasures. And when we do that, it allows the presence of God to come more and more and more. So I'm going to pray for you and just, you know, ask the Lord to help, help us, right? Because anytime the Lord speaks to me like that, I figure I'm guilty of it, right? <laughs> I don't know about you. The Lord's good. Lord, help us to be good stewards of your presence and good stewards of the move of the Lord. Lord, we want you to move powerfully in this church, in our homes, in our lives. We really do. We're not foolish people to not think the move of God is not really everything. But, Lord, a move of God without you, it's just, it's just another form, Lord. And that's not what we're interested in. Lord, at the end of the day, we're interested in you. At the end of the day, we're interested in your presence coming. At the end of the day, we're interested in what you have to say, Lord. That's the thing that's going to make the biggest difference in our life, Lord. So, Lord... I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all the times when I felt disappointed in you, when you didn't do what I thought you were, were supposed to be doing, and all the times when you didn't, when your move, when I was involved in a move, and you were moving powerfully, Lord, and when you stopped, how I, I got all messed up, Lord, instead of running to you and finding your heart in in the end of something. So, Lord, I just ask you today, Lord, somehow for all of us to entrust us, Lord, with something that's powerful. Entrust us with the, the gospel, the power of the gospel, Lord. Not just the words of the gospel, but the power of gospel. I pray you would entrust us to give that and minister that to people, Lord, to change people's lives, Lord. I ask you to entrust us, Lord, with a move of the Holy Spirit that would just be mind-boggling, Lord that would blow out the walls of this church and every church around us, Lord, and that we would see a mighty harvest. I ask you to entrust us with it. I pray that somehow that we, you would look at us and entrust us with the riches of the kingdom, the keys of the kingdom, Lord. Lord, we're asking you to do that, Lord, but we ask you to keep our hearts in the midst of all that. We're asking to keep our hearts, Lord. 
Lord, we don't want to be like a woman who married a rich man and then he went bankrupt and we divorced him because he didn't have money no more. We don't want to be that kind of woman, Lord. We want to be one that marries somebody for love and stays in it for love. Let's ask you to do that, Lord, and for every person in this room. This week, um, I I spent a whole week with a a new guy that I work with, and this is a parallel story. This is one that, if you can't get it spiritually, you can get it naturally. And um, we had a lot of time to share stories, and he's talking about when he was dating his wife, that they'd go out to a restaurant and she'd get chicken nuggets. Yeah, you can sit down. This isn't an amen thing. And he's like, she kept getting chicken nuggets. And... He'd take her to a great burger place, and she said, no, I'll just get the chicken nuggets. He'd take her to a great steak place, and oh, I the chicken nuggets. And said, Have you ever had steak? Well, yeah, growing up, we used to eat top sirloin. And he's like, top sirloin, you know. You ever have prime rib? You ever have filet? No, no. So over time, he finally, he said, you know, try this. Try, you ever have fish? No, no, I don't eat fish. Just try this. And if you don't like it, you can hit me as hard as you want in the arm or spit it in my face. But if it's okay, it's okay. And so she tried it, and it was okay. So over, I don't know, they've been married probably five or six years, but over time he's taught her that what she had was good, and there's other kinds of good. And what I'm getting from what Byron's saying is what God's done is good, but he's got a whole bunch of more good if we'll just try it. And so, um, you know... I heard that, and I'm still hearing it. Amen. Woo. I felt like that was like a two-by-four. Whack. Oh, the Holy Ghost. That's all is good. I'm just so thankful for the Father and for His generous word. And how he loves feeding us the truth that we may be set free. And that the whole point. So the message was to set us free. To bring freedom in our hearts and our minds. So why don't we just stand to a fit. And we're going to have the ministry team come up here. So if you need any more Father Prayer. We have a wonderful ministry team that will lay hands on you. And release the Holy Ghost on you. Or if you need any healing, I also pray for you for that. And in the meantime, I just bless you guys. And I say, may the Father richly, richly pour his gracious love and spirit in you and on you. Amen. Enjoy your Sunday.